So it's a new year. Is this the year we're going to do it differently? I'll be back in just a minute to talk about it. This is Nero Feliciano, and welcome to the All Things Life Podcast. I'm a wife, a mom of four, and a cognitive psychotherapist. And I'm really excited to share these conversations and interviews with you that will hopefully help you live a healthier, fuller, and more peaceful life. Well, Happy New Year to you. And you can tell that I'm already behind on the New Year because I didn't get this podcast out for Soulful Sundays like I planned on it. And that pretty much sums up how the beginning of the year is going. I don't know about you, but this week really is the week for me that the new year starts because that first week coming out of break, I still don't know what day of the week it is. The kids start in the middle of the week. I don't even know what the routine is. This is the week where I begin to get it all together. And if you have done that earlier on January 1st or 2nd, good for you. That's that's a really good thing. I was curious to see who makes resolutions anymore, even though we know, yes, it's another page on the calendar, next day on the calendar. New Year's are are great to rethink our goals, reflect on the past year, and move forward in whatever goals that we have for ourselves. And I wonder, do people still make resolutions? Because statistically, we know only 9% of people who make resolutions actually keep them I was definitely not in that 9% most of my life when I made resolutions and would make the same ones every year and break them. And I decided to do a poll on social media and ask who of you makes resolutions. It was interesting. There are people who definitely do. There were some who were very honest who said, yes, I make them and don't keep any of them. And statistically, we know that 23% of people who make resolutions quit by the end of the first week, 43% by the end of January. So why is it that we have these goals, we come out strong right out of the gate, and they don't last? And there's so many reasons as to why, when you're only focused on the actual goal and not all the behaviors that have to change in order to make that particular one behavioral change, we usually don't set us up to succeed. There is an amazing book. It's been on the New York Times bestselling list for, I I have no idea how long, I think years now. It's called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And you're going to hear a little bit about that book and some insight that Mr. Clear has to offer us this new year as we're starting. But let me say, most of you who I polled or who answered my poll don't make resolutions anymore. I think, I don't know, maybe are we older and wiser and we know that that's just not the way to do it? Some of you start with intentions. I used to talk about intentions. I don't really do that anymore. I think I'm thinking about this holistically very differently. But what many of you did share, because I asked this question as well, is do you pick a word for the year? I like to think of the word for the year as something we want to be more mindful of, maybe the lens in which we're looking through our year. And so many of you offered your words for the year. They were really good, really insightful, and telling about what's important to you. For some, it was calm. For some, it was breathe. Some of you wrote in peace, so that's all along the same trajectory. For some, community was a word. And this is something that I sit with. 
I have been over the last few years, and I actually pray about that word. I ask God, give me the word you want me to focus on for this year and what you want me to be attuned for. And the word that I got this year was aligned. I have been feeling more and more called that whatever I do, the decisions I make, where I invest my time has to be aligned with my values and my faith, my priorities. So that's the word I'm thinking about. And like I've said many times about anything you want to remember, write it down on a note, on a post-it, whatever that word is for you or whatever it is you're trying to be mindful of, and stick it in a place that you're going to see it every day. And even more, you're going to see it several times a day. If you're commuting, put it in your car somewhere. I like to put it on my computer, on my desk, on the mirror that I look at several times a day. And that just helps us to continue to be mindful and think about it. So for me, it also means that there are behaviors associated, like any goals, we have to think about the behaviors. And that involves bringing every decision to God, asking, is this something you want me to do? I've said before, not every good thing is a God thing. We have to really pray for discernment and ask, is this what we're called to do in this season, in this moment? And that is what my intention is for this year as I think about that word, aligned. I would love to hear your words. So write me back uh, through my website. You know how to get a hold of me um, through social media. And tell me what your word is and why you picked it, because I'd really love to hear more about that. I read an interesting article this weekend in the New York Times, and I just wanted to read you a couple paragraphs from it that stood out to me. And it was a good assessment of what resolutions tend to be. And what the writer says is, my policy on New Year's resolutions is that they shouldn't be too punishing and they shouldn't be too grand. We often use a resolution as a cudgel, as a method to get ourselves back in line, a means of eradicating the parts of ourselves we don't like. David Sedaris has written about how every New Year's Eve, he had watched his mother scribbling furiously on a bunch of index cards. After her death, he discovered that she'd written the same thing on each one. Be good. That's a good encapsulation of all resolutions, isn't it? Be good. Resolutions tend to be freighted with the implication that the way you are now is not good, or at least not good enough. My resolutions are typically of this variety. Self-criticism disguised as self-improvement. Get in shape. Stop your profligate spending. Be nicer, work harder. If your resolution seems architected by someone who doesn't like you, there's still time to reconsider it. That last line especially, are we making resolutions that sound like someone who doesn't like us, which is why I think it's so important to look back on the year and reflect on what was good? What did we do well? What did we accomplish? Because we need that mindset going into habit change instead of just using it as a way to say, we're not enough, let's try and be enough. And that's not to say we don't want to strive for improvement and being the best version of ourselves that we can be. But sometimes the way we go about it is not the most forgiving. It's not offering the grace we need to actually do something long-term that is sustainable. And the writer goes on in the article to say now 
the resolutions she makes, at the end, she puts whenever possible. So to be healthy whenever possible, to get up early and work out whenever possible, because that allows that room for grace, the fact that we're not going to be 100% all the time. And every situation may be different, but we're going to put forth our best effort, whatever that looks like on any given day. For those of you that have been listening to this podcast for a few years, you know that every January, I usually start off the year with a group of people doing anywhere from a 21-day to a 40-day fast. The 21-day fast is usually called the Daniel Fast. And this has morphed over the last 10, I think we maybe even have been doing this for the last 10 to 15 years. I don't know the exact number where we do give up something. For many of you, you do that during Lent. We tend to do this at the start of the year. And part of that is we know when we fast, when we sacrifice, when we give up something, we tend to devote that time in seeking God, listening to God, hearing from God. And in my mind, there's no better time to do that than the start of the year when we're going into the year asking God for vision, we're asking God for direction, and really, in my case, I'm asking God to align my goals with whatever his goals are for me, for my family, for the year. And because I'm in that period right now, I've been listening to a lot of sermons. And there's one preacher I listen to named Darius Daniels out of Change Church, and you can find that his podcast on the Apple Podcast app. It's called the Change Church Podcast. He is full of wisdom, but he said something which I think goes along with any time that we're looking at changing behavior, setting goals. And he talked about discipline. And he talked about it in a way spiritually that I hadn't really thought about it before. Because I, I can say that that's something that um, I am not the most disciplined person, as many creatives aren't. We kind of are more whimsical. We have these bouts of creativity, and sometimes that offsets our discipline. And uh, opposed to someone like my husband and even my son, who are very routine and disciplined, and they do what, what they need to do to stick to a schedule and get the things done in that way. And for me, I'm, I'm different in the way that I get things done. But he was talking about discipline, and what he said is there's going to be a time when what we're praying for when what we're asking for, when what we want in our life, when that materializes. And at that point, we are called to be ready. We're called to step into whatever that moment is. And in that moment, it will be too late to get ready because at that point, we need to be ready. And that really sat with me as I was thinking about what I wanted to focus on in this new year. What am I being called to get ready for? That's the work that has to happen now. And I wanted to share that with you because that idea that at the time we're called to be ready, it's too late to get ready, was really powerful when I was thinking about it. And he goes back to the, com the concept of that is why we're called to be disciplined now. So whatever it is that you are trying to focus on. Now is the time to get ready so that when that moment appears, you will be ready. And I think sometimes we don't know what are we called to get ready for. That's where we spend time listening, spend the time in silence, seeking that vision. And I will say 
the things that already just eight days into the new year that God has revealed to me have been really impactful and interesting. Things that I I don't really, I didn't really think about before, just like that thought as I've been listening to more sermons and looking for them and trying to fill my time with those things rather than the mindless things. I, I came across someone saying, writing, how finding time for anything that matters will always be a challenge. That's so true. Finding time for anything that matters will always be a challenge. But then I started thinking about, it's amazing how we find time for things that don't really matter. The amount of time that I spend thinking about obsessing over or even spending time on things that don't really matter just out of default because I'm tired, because I'm not being intentional. Oh, there's always time for things that don't matter. But the discipline is the piece that helps us to make time for the... So I titled this podcast, New Year, Same You, because I think a lot of us feel that way, that yes, we've made progress, but there's still areas where we're trying to affect change, where we still feel like the same person. Part of that is cultural factors. You know, for many of us, we're fighting a lot of cultural factors that impose limitations on our time and our energy, on our ability to be able to step into other areas. I know I've had many conversations with parents about overscheduling and the things that our kids are doing that impact our family time and our personal time. But aside from that, why is it that we often find ourselves stuck in some of the same places? And that leads me to the insights that I wanted to share with you from this book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. And what he talks about is small changes, small changes that add up to a bigger impact, that lead to remarkable results, as he says in the book. I think the discipline piece goes right along with what I'm reading in his book. He says, a simple filter for managing your time is you're not focused enough unless you're mourning some of the things you're saying no to. And that goes back to boundaries. You know, where are we setting boundaries? What are the things that we're giving up to make time for the things that we want to invest in? And I think that's across the board. He said it. What are we mourning the loss of that's enabling us to be more focused in the things that actually really matter? I have thought about goals in different ways, and oftentimes we look at our goals and we look at behaviors and say, I want to change. For many people this time of year, I want to get healthy. I want to lose weight. I want to be less on phones. I want to be more present. We look at the behavior, but what I'm suggesting, which he also talks about in the book, is let's start with identity. If you got my newsletter this week, this past Friday, you you would have heard some of this, but... Oftentimes, if we look at the behaviors we want to change, what we're doing is we're looking at facets of ourselves, characteristics of ourselves that we don't like, that we don't want to accept as part of our identity, even though they likely are part of our identity. What I would suggest that you think about is not what behaviors do you want to change, but who do you want to be? How do you want to be known? Who are you trying to become in 2024. Because that is a far more powerful motivator to change than just a behavior alone. So for example, instead of saying, which was one of my goals every year for years, I want to lose weight, I can focus on the identity piece. I want to be a healthier person. I want to be a healthy person. 
And all of a sudden, there are a couple of things that switch when we start looking at, at identity versus behavior. One, our timeline changes because we all know we're not going to change our identity in 21 days. We might get closer to being that person, but we allow ourselves the grace of a longer timeline because identity change takes time. Then you can also see that small behaviors make a difference. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing process. Small behaviors, if I want to be a healthier person, then what am I going to do? I'm probably going to drink more water. I'm probably going to walk more. I'm going to have behaviors that are more accessible and attainable. Whereas in the past, I may have decided I'm going to do a detox or I'm going to start going to the gym every single day. Behaviors that we know, like I said, 43% of people by the end of January give up on because they're too drastic and they don't allow for the nuances of our life, those vicissitudes where things change every day that are unexpected. But instead, can we focus on identity? What I had many of my coaching clients do in our group this week was Write down all the characteristics of who you want to be, of how you want to be known, how you want to know yourself. And the things that came up, I want to be a more spiritual person. I want to be a more present person. I want to be a kind person. I want to be a generous person. So then we looked at, all right, what behaviors do you need to step into? What behaviors do you need to strengthen that are already in existence or add in order to feel like that person, to know yourself as that person? And what gets in the way of you stepping into those behaviors? Then I had them look at, okay, what what do you do already? What are the things that take you away from that identity? This is a process to really getting to the heart of behavioral change. We have to go through those steps. And I would suggest, you know, pause this podcast, write down some of those questions And sit with just one characteristic of your identity that you would like to change or fully develop or step into in in a different way this year and focus on the one. Oftentimes, we we make a whole list of things that we want to do. And it's too much to change all at once. Change takes time. It was interesting as I was talking about identity and listening to this reading about identity. I happened to put on a sermon by Tim Keller. And if you've listened to my podcast, you know that's a teacher who was incredibly impactful in my life early on when I went to his church in New York City at Redeemer. He passed away this past year. But what he said is who you are starts in the small daily actions of each day. The decisions we make along the day to reflect those character traits. I would even say write down five of those character traits and put that on a post-it note that you see daily in many different places and see how then the way we think about certain decisions, small decisions in our life, change as you go along your day. The other question that's worth asking is what mindsets get in the way of you stepping into that, that identity and what mindsets take you away from it? And sometimes mindsets are the stories we tell ourselves, the reasons we give ourselves why we can do something and also why we can't do something. And are those stories actually true? I should actually sit down on this podcast with someone 
and show you what this sounds like in a therapy session when someone's actually going through this thought process. Because I would love to do that with you, each of you right now that are listening to this, but I can't. But you can do that yourself. So instead of just going to behaviors and goals, like I said at the beginning, start with identity. Start with who you want to be because that's a much more powerful motivator. In the past, I have decided no more resolutions. I'm going to focus on intentions. And my intentions now look very different. They're not as goal-oriented. I still think about that in terms of identity. What I've said for myself this year, aside with having my word aligned, is that I do want to be a healthier person. I want to be a more present person and a more connected person. And each of those things have behaviors associated with it. I mean, all of us know if we want to be more present, we need to put down our devices. We need to be doing things that um, foster more mindfulness, more present, paying attention to the world around us, which is a hard thing to do, but again, requires some evaluation. Why don't I put down my device? What can I do instead? At what times of day does it get in my way? It really takes some thought and intention to make that behavior a reality. But there are a couple intentions that I've set this year that I wanted to share with you because I think they're really important for us as humans, not only stepping into kind of our inherent value as a human being and our connection with other people, but I just think these are good things to incorporate in any life. And one of the things I've said, and I suggest to anyone starting on any path of behavioral change and goal development is make gratitude a part of your day. And not just gratitude where we sit down writing good things, but I think we should do that because there are so many benefits in doing that, both physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, but also expressing gratitude to someone else. So that is something we can do daily, whether it's our partner, whether it's our kids, with the coworkers, people who we run into in the streets, we can express gratitude. But one of my intentions this year is to write a note of gratitude once a month. If I can do it more than once a month, great. Definitely I can send a text to someone more than once a month. But to actually write a note and put it in the mailbox and express that gratitude, it's meant so much to me when I've gotten that, whether whether it's been in an email or an actual physical note. But what we know is when we do that, not only do we connect with someone, I have seen God use that in so many ways unexpectedly when people have done that for me, and I'm assuming when I've done that for someone else. We also know expressing gratitude to someone else increases dopamine in our bodies, in our brains, and that increases motivation. So whatever new behavior you're trying to change, we're increasing motivation just by that simple practice of gratitude. But another thing I wanted to share with you, which James Clear from Atomic Habits also talks about, is he talks about this idea that so many people are trying to live their life being the most interesting person so they can capture the attention of people, so they they can stand out. And what he says is don't worry about being the most interesting person in the room. Try to be the most interested person in the room. Let me tell you, this hit me as well as my coaching group. Just so right to the heart of what we were thinking in that moment, be the most interested person in the room. And he goes on to say, the interested person asks about others and leaves a good impression because people like talking about themselves. 
Let me tell you, I made a career on the fact that people like talking about themselves. I, I love hearing about them, but people like talking about themselves. Two, he says, the interested person is genuinely curious about someone's craft and learns a lot about how things work. And that might just might be about someone's life or their day, not necessarily about what they do. The interested person engages with more people and because opportunities come through people is more likely to catch a lucky break. In general, he says, the interested person learns more and tends to be well-liked. And in the long run, it's hard to keep down someone who is well-learned and well-liked. I just thought that was so wise. So whatever your goals, whatever your intentions, whatever your resolutions are this year, and I suggest certainly ask God for that or your higher power, whatever you want to call it. I would sit in prayer and meditation and ask what you should focus on this year. I do think these two are always a good thing. Gratitude, expressing gratitude, and also working to be the most interested person in the room. What a life that would look like if we focused on those two things every day. I hope you have had a great start to your new year. If not, you could be like me. The new year starts today. Be well, live full. I'll be back again soon. Thanks for listening today. And if you have a second, go on the Apple Podcast app and rate this podcast. I want to know what you liked and what you didn't like and what you want more of. And connect with me. I'd love to hear from you on any of my social media at Nero Feliciano, the incidental therapist on Facebook and Nero Feliciano on Instagram. And you can also connect with me through my website, Nero Feliciano. So until the next time, have a great day. Be well and live full. Hold up. 